0: Good morning, Grace Church. It's funny—two uh, services in a row now, he gets like a standing ovation. And when I come out, you're like, "Hey, morning! <laughs> All right, cool. Good to see you too. <laughs> Welcome, Grace Church. Um, especially if you're new, glad you're here. My name's Scott, I'm one of the pastors here at Grace. Uh, I'm excited. We are taking a brief break. Don't freak out. Uh, from the Book of Acts, and we're looking—we're uh, doing a mini series. That's three weeks long, and so I'm excited about the the topic. Uh, We are basing this mini series off of a book, uh, a book called Live No Lies by author John Mark Comer, who is a pastor up in Oregon. Uh, I want to encourage you guys, it looks like this, the graphic should be on there, I want to encourage you guys to go buy the book. It's on Amazon, it's not that expensive, it is awesome. And follow along, catch up, the Audible too, some people are already doing that. um, There's a little workbook that can go with it as well. And then also, as another resource, uh, I thought it would be cool if we as a church did a Bible reading plan together based on the topic. And so if you pull up our app and on our outline under weekend sermon notes, very bottom, there's a link to the Bible reading plan. It kicks you out to the Bible app and you can uh, do that as well. I think it's like a seven-day plan. Uh, But check that out. This book... Uh, I'm excited. This is a really cool book. The, the premise of the book is that there's a problem. There's a problem in the world. There's a problem in our lives, especially for us as Christians. And we have three enemies, three enemies that rob us of our peace by giving us and off, offering us, suggesting to us lies. And so uh, there's a phrase in the book that says, you you can believe the truth, but live a lie. You can believe the truth of God and Jesus and who he is, but you could also live and behave under a lie. And so whether these lies come from within us or outside of us or around us, lies sabotage our peace, and we all have to contend with it. So in this series, Live No Lies, we are going to learn about these three enemies, these three enemies of our soul, and that steal our peace through lies. And so the first enemy is the devil, and then the second is the flesh, and then the third is the world. For centuries, early Christian leaders uh, taught about these three enemies and positioned them as kind of a, a counter trinity to God himself, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we see this theme throughout the book, And we're going to see it themed throughout Scripture as well. And so there's a progression to these messages. So today, we're going to talk about the devil. You're like, great, that's fun. Um, Welcome to church, we're talking about Satan. Uh, But we're going to talk about that, but there's a progression. And next week, we'll talk about the flesh. Third week, we'll talk about the world. Um, But Comer, John Mark Comer, his working theory from the book about the devil's strategy, he says this. This, and there's a progression if that diagram can go back up, the deceitful ideas that the devil offers us play into disordered ideas, the flesh, and that are normalized in a sinful society, the world. And so we're going to break those down each week starting today. But before we go into it and dive into the topic and look at our passage, I want to give a little bit of a language disclaimer. Uh, You're like, Pastor Scott, are you about to cuss? No, not right now, maybe later. Um, not going to do it. What I mean is um, sorry, what I mean is is i 'm going to use specific language because the book does and the Bible does, and it 's language around military type of metaphors and language that is used throughout the series, and I know that some are uncomfortable with uh, you know language used as war or or military, or you know, that type of thing. But the honest truth is that this book and this topic is about spiritual warfare. And we're going to see that played out. The New Testament writers, there's a theme all throughout Scripture, but especially in the New Testament, there's a theme throughout the Scriptures about fighting and war and military. For example, Paul, he talks in, in 1 Timothy 6.12, he says, Fight the good fight of faith. He uses those terms. He speaks to the Ephesians uh, church in Ephesians 6.11. He instructs them to put on the full armor of God so that you will take your stand against the devil's schemes. He then writes a letter to the Corinthians in his second letter in 2 Corinthians 10.4. He said, the weapons, he uses that term, we fight are not of the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they're a, uh, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. These are just a few examples of many throughout the library of scriptures that speak with these, this terminology, these word pictures, these metaphors of the military. So if you don't like that, I'm sorry, but blame John Mark Homer and blame the Lord, I guess. Um, but the truth is, we are in a sense in a war. We are in a spiritual war, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. And scripture and the book are themed around this. I love the way John Mark Comer put it in his book, he, he gave this description, he said, our war against these three enemies of the soul is not a war of guns or bombs, it's not against other people at all, it's a war on lies, and the problem is less that we tell lies and more that we live them. And so today, we're going to look at what's known as the father of lies, and that's the devil. And I... I was thinking about this. I'm like, some people are going to be rolling their eyes, like, like, here we go, the devil. You Christians think everything that's bad in the world, and you blame it on this this mythical creature, evil thing called the devil. And I get it, I get it. So maybe you you, uh, hear the word the devil, or that name, or evil, or the demonic, and you think of things like this, which is from a popular show called Lucifer. I don't know. I've never seen the show. It's probably dumb. Don't watch it. That's it. You can go. Have a good Sunday. <laughs> I've never seen it. Um, or maybe if you're old like me, you think of the evil and the demonic something like this. And if you're in college, you're like, what the heck is that? I don't know what that is. This movie terrified America in the 80s. Like, no sleep in the 80s. That didn't happen. Uh, Poltergeist was freak. It was so freaky. Um, I watched it and I thought it was dumb, but people freaked out, and it, it just was what it was. Um, it's about demonic possession and all that t- type of thing. Or if I found that if you use Google Magic, you come up with things like this. If you're like, "What is this? I don't know. He's musical. It sounds like he's into music. I don't. I don't know. It was weird. No clue what this is from. But if you Google it, the devil. This is what comes. But we have all these imagery inside of our heads because what is shown, what we're shown of Satan or the devil or the concept of evil or the demonic and who the devil is. And so what I wanted to do is that present that to say, let's instead look at scripture. Let's look at a passage that gives a really good description and kind of kicks us off in the right direction of who the devil is. And so John 8, just one verse we're going to read together, verse 44, I'll read it slow for you, read with me. It says this, Jesus is speaking. It says, you are of your father, the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. It does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, when the devil lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and he is the father of lies. Some pretty harsh words from Jesus. Jesus is speaking to pharisaical religious leaders, uh, leaders who are uh, getting in an argument, picking a fight with Jesus, because they are saying, we are of the lineage of Abraham. He is our father. We are his descendants. He is our ancestor. And Jesus brilliantly kind of cuts through that, not even addressing the biological aspect of it, but points to the spiritual father of these guys, of these leaders, and he uses strong language. Talking to these religious leaders, could you, could you picture it? These guys think they're holier than thou because they're of God and of the church and, and they run the show. And he says, yeah, you're the, your actual real father, he was a murderer from the beginning. He uses language like he doesn't stand in truth. There's no truth found in him. That's who your father is. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, meaning This is just what he is. It's easy for him to do it because that's who he is. He is a liar. He's the father of lies. So he naturally does that out of his own character. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. So you want to argue with me about who your father is, I'll tell you who your real father is. It's the devil. He's saying that to religious leaders. So as we look at the scripture, others, and the book, there's three thoughts I just want to pose to us. Here's the first one. If the devil is real, if he is real, we must have an awareness and understanding of who he is and the influence he has, the influence he has in the world and in our lives over us. So if the devil is real, we have to have an awareness and understanding of who he is and the influence he has. Like, I know, really profound, Scott, but it's just basic and true. We need to understand him. We need to know the enemy. We need to understand who he is and what he does. But with Christians, there's two temptations nowadays. We live in 2023, and so the temptations are this. On one side, in one camp of Christians, we ignore him, Like it's irrelevant. We pretend he isn't there. He, He has no relevance. He was a story in the Bible, multiple stories in the Bible. Some think he's a myth. Some have the imagery of the TV shows and poltergeists and all those things that the world has shown us who he is. And so we don't even look at who he is biblically. We just ignore him and put him aside. The other camp, the other side, overemphasizes the devil. He is everywhere causing every little thing to go wrong. And in my notes I said, stop being a weirdo. <laughs> I was in a weird mood. I don't know. Stop being weirdo. Meaning this. The devil's in every little bad thing that happens. Like I was late for my meeting. It was the devil. No, it was traffic, and you should have left earlier. It wasn't the devil. It was you. Maybe you're the devil. I don't know. <laughs> the devil's in everything. I stubbed my toe. That was Satan. Now you, you just can't see. You need a new lenses, I guess. Like we blame the devil for everything. Have you ever met someone like that? You're like, chill out, bro. It's a little too much. Your spouse, when you're fighting, He's not Satan. He or she, are, they're not the devil. Your kids, they're not the devil. Maybe some of yours are. Um, just Pastor Jesse's kids. There's Satan. That's it. He's here so I could say it. The devil is not every little bad thing. Things happen. We live in a fallen world, but he is present. He is there. C.S. Lewis says it this way. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Meaning, the devil doesn't care what extreme, but pick one of those. But instead, as Bible-believing Christians who want to look to God's word about what it says about the devil, who wants to fall in line and trust what Jesus believes to know to be true. We want that to, be, to know and to, uh, to be true for us. We need to have a balanced perspective and not claim one side of that coin or the other, but to be aware of the devil and his schemes and what he does, but not have an, over, uh, an overemphasizing knowledge of him and say he's in every little thing. But needless to say... The devil is not a myth. He's not a fictional character from a horror movie. He's not. He's not playing drums and going crazy. He's not this fake thing. He's very, very real. To Jesus, the devil is real. And if he was and is real to Jesus, we, he must be real to us. And we must take him seriously. So who is he? Who is the devil? The Bible has a ton of names for him. The Satan or Satan. The evil one, the tempter, the destroyer, the deceiver. And when you, when you start reading Revelation, like if you're ever like, I want a light read on a Sunday afternoon, read Revelation. It goes crazy. Don't do it. But it calls him the great dragon, it uses that, the great dragon who dece- deceives the whole world and also in revelation 12 the great the ancient serpent kind of a nod to genesis 3 who leads the whole world astray so gives these names and these titles for this spiritual being that we know and have read about called the devil or satan and so i wanted to provide a little bit of a biblical and theological framework for us to think about the devil and And some of you are like, I'm really interested. Some of you are like, I don't care, Scott. Like, I don't want all the Bible about it. Just tell me. But I want us to understand biblically who the devil is. And so I put this, we put this in three quadrants. Number one is the devil is finite. What does that mean? He was a a created being. He was created by God. He was good originally. He is not equal to God, though. He in fact was created, not the creator. So he has a beginning and an end. If you want to snapshot this and look up the verses, you could do that. He is a fallen being. He was and is a spiritual being, and originally created with this purpose. He drifted from his purpose and rebelled against God, and now his purpose has changed because he's fallen. He seeks to dominate our world and influence. Humanity for his own purposes. He is active and he is fighting in our world today on earth. He is active. He is opposing you. He is opposing the kingdom of God. He is opposing Jesus our Lord. How does he do that? He distorts good and evil. He offers suggestions. We're going to talk about that of what good and evil should be. It's not what God says, it's here's what it maybe is. He uses deception disguise, and accusation. But the beautiful truth is he has zero authority over our Lord. He has no authority over Jesus Christ. So these are just some frameworks and biblical references on who is the devil. When talking about the devil, Jesus uses a Greek word to describe him mostly. It's diabolos. It's the verbal group, uh, uh, root word is meant to slander or to accuse. And when it's in the form of calling someone a name, it's the accuser. Jesus is calling him the accuser, the slanderer. And as described in our passage, Jesus calls him the father of lies. So this is who, biblically, who the devil is, who Satan is, and make no mistake that we are at war with him. We're in a spiritual war against him and against his lies. And so we need the understanding of who he is, and then we need the understanding of of what he does and how he influences. And so what he does, how he influences you, how he influences me, is he offers deceptive ideas to us, and he tells us lies. One of the early church theologians, the early church fathers, his name is Evagrius Ponticus, he claimed that there's this demonic temptation that we are fighting against. And it's what's called logismoi. It's a Greek word. It means thoughts or thought patterns or internal dialogue or internal patterns. In John Mark Homer, in the book, he, he, he talks about this concept of logismoy. And he goes further and he says, in psychology, they're called mental maps. And mental maps are like roadways. And so you're born and you're raised a certain way. And so there are people, places, and things, there's experiences and influences over you that have affected what you believe, uh, what your worldview is, what you think about God, what you think about sexuality, about money, about career and family, your view on marriage, just everything. And so you've landed at this set of beliefs, and, and maybe you've landed at your political affiliation. It's all because of these mental maps or this logismoi, these thought patterns or internal dialogues, and they've been influenced by outside forces to land you wherever you land on your belief system of the world, of yourself, of your purpose, of God. We all have them. And if you're thinking, not me, you're lying. See, I just proved to you that the devil is real. But it's true. We all have them. We all have defaults. I'll give you an example. I'll be, I'll be a little vulnerable, just a little, not much. Because of who my father was, I believed certain things about myself. I just did at a very, very early age. I knew my, my dad was a criminal. He's a drug addict. He was in prison. And so I had this belief system. I remember even at, in my, before I was a teenager thinking, the apple can't far, fall too far from the tree. So that's the quality of person I am because he's that, I, them, and this. And so I probably am not suited to succeed in life as an adult at certain things. I'm not that smart. Um, I just, I'm going to fail. So why try? All through school, why try? I don't care. Whatever. This is the quality that I come from. Therefore, this is kind of who I am. It may seem silly to you. But then on the other hand, I had a spiritual father. My best friend's dad, Mark. And Mark loved me. He had a funny way of showing it sometimes. But he taught me the gospel. He told me about Jesus. And this is the way he would talk to me when he would see it playing out. Because I would say certain things like, yeah, I, I can't do that. That's not something I could do. And he would say, Scott, are you an idiot? Of course you could do that. And so part of me, I'm like, did you just call me an idiot? So it kind of felt bad, but also feel good that you, you think that of me. And so he started pouring into me this confidence and building me up. And so these two competing forces internally as a 43-year-old man play out all the time. This is from childhood, folks. And I'm 43 years old. Every time I preach, throughout the week before I preach, oh my gosh, God, who do you think you are that you can get up and talk about the Bible? You're an idiot. You're a horrible communicator. Like all of these thoughts start playing out in my head and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. Who are you talking to? Myself. <laughs> and I'm like, you're, you're right, I can't do that. Who, Jesse, you're up, bro, I can't do it. <laughs> like, I, start, I don't say that, but I start thinking down this path of like, I'm gonna fail. I'm completely gonna fail. I'm a failure, so I'm gonna fail. That's the result of being a failure. And here's the thing, and I have to do it every single time, I have to identify that lie. That's a lie, and even though I know it's a lie, and I know God's truth of who he says I am, I am an image-bearer of him. I can communicate his truth. He has given me the ability to do that for years now, but yet I'll still walk in the lie for hours and days. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, have I not learned the devil's schemes? Those are lies from the devil. That's how he deceives. You see the mental maps, the logismoi, the thought processes, those patterns within us. And I want you to identify what those are for you. Because if you don't, the devil will use them. So you have to understand not just who the devil is, but how he's working out himself and his lies that he suggests and offer you all the time. It's so vital in the life of the believer, of the disciple of Christ. There are lies that you and I believe that are so far from the truth. And we know, I know when I think those things, those aren't from me. Those definitely are that's not from God. And I know the truth and I need to rest and trust in God's truth. There's a reason that over 40 times in the New Testament, We are warned against the devil's deceptions and lies that are offered to us. Over 40 times in the New Testament. Why? Because it's a real threat. It will cripple you. It will hold you captive. It just will. So think about what those are for yourself. They're not truth. They're lies. When you think about truth, I wanted to give us a definition. It's that which corresponds with reality. If you look it up, and I study psychology. We've, we've gone through what truth is. It's that which with, corresponds with reality. Like I could say uh, the Padres are the best. I mean, they're really good. Is that really true? Uh, does evidence tells? us? Does, does that correspond with reality, what we're all experiencing here? I don't think so, you guys. It's just not. I was, uh, I was just in Sacramento visiting family. And I was hanging out with my cousins and my aunt and uncle, and I um, got to visit my cousin, and he had his uh, young daughter and son. And I haven't seen them since they were like really little. And so his daughter, um, she's got some sass. I like it. It's kind of cool. She goes, who are you? And I go, I am your family. And she goes, no, you're not. And I go, yes, I am. Your dad is my cousin, and we grew up together. And we we did stuff together. We went to these weird camps together and it was awesome. I love your your dad as my cousin. And she goes, you look way older than my dad. (laughs) And I said, I don't like you. (laughs) But I'm like, well, let's test. Does that correspond with reality? She was kind of right. She was kind of right. I look old, okay? And I'm like, I'm only 43. And she said, that's ancient. I'm like, I'm leaving now. But that which, which corresponds with reality, is it true or is it not true? Is it a reality? Do I look old? Shh, rhetorical. <laughs> is it true? We need to gauge what's true in our lives. When I look at older guys who dye their hair, I'm like, you're faking nobody, bro. Stop. It doesn't correspond with anyone's reality. They all know it's dyed. Stop it. I just wanted to get that off my chest. (laughs) For Jesus, the devil was a reality. The devil, the existence of the devil and his work corresponded with reality. So it must for us. And if the devil is real, and if Jesus believed the devil is real, he better be for us. And so we must be aware of who he is and how he influences the world and our lives. We must know who he is, and we must know his schemes, what his goal is. And so here's the second thought I want to offer up. The devil's goal is death, and his means to accomplish that goal is to spread lies to you and I. His primary means to accomplish his goal, death, is lies offered to us. Remember verse 44. He was a murderer from the beginning. He was a murderer, pretty extreme. That is to say, the devil's goal what does a murderer do? They end life. The goal of the devil is to end life. He ends life, but he does it by offering up a thought, offering up an idea, offering up a lie. And that even though, like, logically, we know this isn't true, we could start walking in some of those. Think about Adam and Eve. You ever thought about Eve? You're like, no. Okay, me neither, but no. If you think about her in the moment in the garden, think of Genesis 3. The serpent, the devil, just offered some thoughts. That's all he did, is he offered a few thoughts, and she took them, and it affected the way she behaved, and it changed the course of the world. Think about that. He, just, he didn't like give her a stick to kill Adam. He didn't do something gnarly. He, he gave her some thoughts, and she said, I think I'll run with that. John Mark Comer puts it this way. The Genesis 3 lie is the paradigmatic lie behind all lies. The deception, or really temptation, is and has always been twofold. One, to seize autonomy from God, one and two to redefine good and evil based on the voice in our heads and the inclination of our hearts rather than trust in the loving word of god this isn't just about eve this is about all of us he say he says to seize autonomy from god that's independence that's us acting and behaving and living independent from god and what his word says then he says redefine what good and evil and based on the the voice in our heads and inclination in our hearts, that's lies. So we have independence and we have lies and we want to walk in those all the time. Some of us, we believe that we have the right to define and to decide what good and evil is in our world. It's my life, it's my truth. This is me getting my needs met. This is just, it's right for me. It may not be right for you, but it's right for me. This is the way I want my life to go. This is what's going to make me happy. These are the great deceptions from the devil. Eve, she foregoed what God said about the tree. And she adopted the devil's suggested suggested thoughts. Remember Genesis 3.5 says, For God, this is the devil. For God knows, he knows, Eve, that when you eat of it, the tree, your eyes are going to be opened up. You're really going to see that in Eve. And you, listen to this, will be like God independence, And you will know good and evil lies. He offered her just the thought, you can be just like God. You could decide. You could do whatever you want to do. And then you, you will know what good and evil is. You'll be able to determine what good and evil is. You'll be able to know and, and determine what's good for your life. God doesn't know, you know. You and I are offered these type of ideas all the time. Without realizing it, we're offered it all the time. Because remember, he's a murderer. The devil's a murderer. He wants to end life. If you're married, he wants to end your marriage. What a goal for him. If I can just break them up, if I can just demolish their household, then their faith will drop. Their money will be turned upside down. They're not going to trust in anything. The goals are there, and it comes through these thoughts. If, if, if you're married, these thoughts of like, I could do better. I just need someone to make me happy. Or this one, that drives me nuts. We just don't get along anymore. My wife and I got in a, in a fight this week. We just didn't get along. Should I divorce her? Like, like what's the point? We're just not compatible. We're just not eye to eye. And these lies are offered up. And we go, yeah, that's true. We don't get along. He doesn't make me happy. She doesn't make me happy. They're dysfunctional. And so we adopt these lies and we've seen over and over again that the consequences of owning these lies are destruction. They're death. It's a death of a marriage. If you're single, I'm never going to get married. It's not for me, which is Cloaking the real truth of, I don't think I'm worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not attractive enough. All of these thoughts and ideas. Or well, what about thoughts about yourself? Like me, I'm just a failure. I will inevitably fail everything. Or how about, I am my past. I'm, I'm what I've done in the past. That's, because I've done that, that's who I am. That's called shame, by the way. I am what I feel. How about that? If I feel something for long enough, that's just who I am, I'm gonna start walking in that feeling because I deserve it. I feel it, God created me that way, so I feel it, I'm gonna walk in it, the devil's lies. How about this one, which seems so good. I can do it myself. Like this, I got this. There's so much really awesome self-help stuff, even in the Christian world, and you're like, who doesn't want to self-help on a Monday morning when they start the week, right? give me a cool quote on Instagram. Make me feel good about myself. I can do this. I'm going to hustle. This is about me. I could be successful. I'm going to be successful because I'm a successful person. And so you just walk in that. You know what the dangerous part about those are? There's truth in some of that. You remember The Secret years ago? It was a book. It was a whole thing called The Secret. Look it up. Don't. It sucks. But The Secret... The most dangerous part about the seeker is you can manifest any life in any situation you want. The dangerous part is it's laced with truth, but it's hidden amongst a bed of lies. It is so dangerous and deceptive. And so we have to discern what's good for us or what isn't. The worst one that I see all the time, I deserve to be happy. I just want to be happy. Don't I deserve that? No. (laughs) How's that for an encouraging word from a pastor? No. Find me a Bible verse that says you deserve to be happy. The goal of life is not my happiness. It's not your happiness. The goal is to commune with our creator and walk in his truth. The result is happiness, true joy. But that's not the goal. We want that as the goal. But that's the consequence, that's the result, that's the symptom of walking in truth. And lastly, what happens to us is it affects things, affect the way we think about God. And lies are offered to us about how we view our worldview, about spirituality and all the spirituality that's happening these days that just kind of sidestep God and who Jesus is as the Savior of the world. Remember the great lie offered to Eve, you can be like God. Or how about this? If you haven't thought it, sometimes it's a feeling. God's just withholding from me. He doesn't really want what's good for me. He doesn't really want to meet my needs. He doesn't really want me to be happy. You know, the Bible talks about a sexual ethic, but I'm going to walk this way because it's what makes me happy. It's what makes me feel good. And it's sad and it's hard, but it's also true with me, with you, we often view God through the lens of our circumstances. Everything goes wrong, and so we look at God with that. He'll, he'll never show up, he'll never bless me. Isn't that what happens to us? But what I've seen and noticed in that example is when we look at God through the lens of other people and through circumstances of things going good or bad, the deception isn't in the circumstance. It's through our interpretation of it. It's through how we, on our own, interpret What's happening in our world? What's happening in our careers? What's happening in our families? We we want to do it ourselves instead of looking in God's Word. We're walking on our own, just creating our own interpretation, and that's where we get deceived. So everything—Who we are, who you are, who you, what your purpose is, who God is, why things happen to you—we need to be critical thinkers. We need to look at. Uh, you need to be critical of the sermons. I could could lie to you this whole time and it's not biblically true. You need to go back to scripture and and see what I'm saying is true or not true and make your determination. We need to look at scripture to see if it's true. What corresponds with reality? Not my circumstances, but with God's truth. How do I view what's happening in my life through God's reality? What his truth says to be true? The devil wants to end you, but Jesus offers something else. John 10.10, Jesus speaks of this, and he says, The thief comes only to do three things, steal, kill, and destroy. But in contrast, I, Jesus says, I come that they, that we, may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to save you, to redeem you, to pay a price for you. But he did that, and he came so that we could experience life and live it very abundantly. But we will not live life abundantly apart from two things, God and his truth, God and his word. We could try. I did that in my 20s. It doesn't work, folks. You could try to be independent. You can try to go down that road of believing the lies. But you will never have true, true joy A true abundant life apart from God and his truth. So the third thought is this. If the devil's influence is through lies, our resistance to his influence, our resistance to his lies must be through the closeness of Christ and the knowledge of his truth. (coughs) The devil's influence, if the devil's influence is through lies, our resistance must be through the closeness of Christ, how close we are to him and the knowledge of his truth. That's how we find abundant life. That's how we get there. The goal of life is not happiness. Happiness is a result. The goal is God. The goal is knowing him and walking in his truth, knowing his truth. So let's talk about these two things, the closeness of Christ and knowing his truth, but I want to do it in reverse. Knowing God's word, we live in one of the most biblically illiterate, societies and cultures in history. We need to saturate ourselves with God's truth. We need to be saturated with his word daily. This is what was marked, uh, this was a mark in a, in a pinnacle uh, aspect of a disciple of a rabbi. Back in the days of Jesus, a, a disciple would become a, a follower, a student, the word means a student, of a rabbi. And it wasn't just show up on Sunday at a gathering and hear him preach. It meant work. We had to work towards it. So the disciples, they would study, they would follow, they would mimic their rabbi's lifestyle. They would do what they do. They would read what they read. They would pray alongside them. It was more of an apprenticeship than just an event or a once in a while thing or a couple of times a week type of thing. When I was thinking about this, I Instantly started thinking about my boys who are right here, and I'm like, I'm so worried about them because we're all being formed. There's a formation happening, and they are so influenced by what's happening on their phones, on TV, on everything. College, you are so influenced by what's happening in the world. So am I. So are we. It's not just you, but it makes me terrified how we are going to be formed in the image of Christ rather than the world, rather than what the devil offers us as truth. If I could, I mean, I could give you a million pep talks, college, but I would say this, study and know God's word. Be, make it home for you. Be in God's word daily. Be apprentices. You want to fight temptation? God's word will help you fight temptation. God's word will help you know what to watch and discern stuff that's on TV and what's garbage, what's the Lucifer show and something that's good. You want to know how to discern advice from friends and colleagues and professors and and parents. God's word will help you get there. God's word will help you resist this gravitational pull by a volatile culture. We're all pulled in different directions, politically, media, all these things. God's word, his truth will help you not be pulled in all those directions. God's word will help you fight against your feelings. And instead of running with a feeling, you will not just abide in the truth of God, you will do it joyfully. Because you know him and you know his truth and you know what's good for you because your heart is near his heart. His presence is with you. And so God's word is so important. I can't emphasize that enough. That is where we find God's truth. In Matthew 4, you'll read this popular story of Jesus. He was called by the Holy Spirit out in the wilderness, and he was tempted by the devil, and the devil, he tried, man. He tried because Jesus was fully man and fully God at the same time, and he appealed to his flesh, his humanity, and uh, the flesh is something we'll talk about next week. He appealed to him and tempted him. And so what you see is in, in verse 3 of Matthew 4, he is tempted with a false truth, And Jesus responds a certain way every single time. So in verse 3, here's a false truth. Jesus said, it is written. Because he had to refer back to the scriptures of, it is written, this is God's truth. In verse 5, same thing with a different false truth that the devil offers him. And Jesus responds, it is written, truth. Lie, here's truth. In verse 7, he doubles down and said, again, it is written, again, here is truth to combat your lies. And so if Jesus needed to refer to scripture and know the word, how much more do we need to? We need to know God's word. We need to read it daily. We need to read it multiple times a day. We need to be saturated over God's word. His ability, Jesus' ability to fight the devil's false truths, and schemes, and lies, and thoughts, and logismoi that he was trying to offer up, his ability to fight that off, it catapulted his ministry. That was right before he started his earthly ministry. and It empowered and enabled him to do everything he did as the son of the living God. So for us, we need to do the same. We need to do the same thing. Remember Jesus' famous teaching in John 8, just a little bit before our, our verse in 44 and 31, it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You remember that. And you'll notice that abiding in his word corresponds with knowing. Knowing corresponds with being set free. And so we're like, don't tell me what to do. I don't want the Bible to tell me what to do. We seek our liberation, our freedom outside of God's word when really it just imprisons us, it ensnares us, it tricks us. But according to Jesus, the true freedom is joyfully abiding in his truth and his word. And you can't know that without reading his word. But also, we must be close to Christ. And I say that because I almost say that that is first. First. At Grace, we have reorganized ourselves around mission, and we talk about it a lot. There's a lot of things going on. An announcement comes up. You know, Liz gave the announcement. We've got membership. We've got all these things happening in our church. They're all amazing things, amazing, amazing things. Do them. Participate with them. But let's not turn to activity without intimacy. We need intimacy with Christ before we need the activity of doing life with Christ. We need to know God and his word, not one without the other, never. Knowing scripture without knowing God will turn you and I into a judgmental Pharisee. We'll be a legalist. We'll go around judging the world and telling them they're going to hell because of this or that or whatever. We're just like, yeah, I can rattle off a scripture and tell you how bad you are. Like, don't do that. Know Jesus. It will make you not only know and have biblical knowledge to encourage, but you'll have a humble heart to then love too. Both go together of knowing Christ and knowing his truth, knowing God and knowing his word. His word will transform us and it'll help us discern what's a lie and what's truth. So mission, yes, amazing. But first, know God, know Jesus, be with him. It will be the source to which you can go and live your life. You will be empowered from it. This book, Live No Lies, it's, it's a powerful tool, but it's more than that. It's not just a philosophical book about an evil being. It's a book about formation, about spiritual formation. The disciple was about spiritual formation. He's an apprentice. He's the walk-in step of his rabbi, and we are to do the same. So as I close, I want us to see ourselves more as an apprentice, a disciple of Jesus, not just a member at a church, so that every day we can be aware of the devil, aware of his schemes, aware of the lies that we're told. We can ask ourselves, where where am I vulnerable to lies? Or what are the lies that I'm already living in or walking out in? We need to look at our lives as spiritual formation as the disciples and apprentices followed their rabbi. They did quiet time. They fasted. They read scripture. They slowed down to pray and just be instead of do. They just sat with God and said, speak to me, love me, be with me, may your presence be with me. And they sat in the presence of God. We need to be formed spiritually by our spiritual father instead of being formed by the devil, his lies in the world. And here's the thing. Scripture is the word of God. It's living and it's true. And we have to saturate ourselves with God's word. The closer you are to Christ, the more your heart will align with him. The more his desires become your desires and you can live in a way that is just countercultural and so different than the world around you. But you have to long for him. You have to long for his truth. And if you submit yourself to being formed by him in this way, by spending time with him, see what it does and see that it will truly set you free. So before I close and we pray. We're going to have communion. But it's kind of a special communion today. We thought we would do this. Under your seat is a piece of paper. I want you to take that out. It looks like this. It says, what is a lie that I'm ready to exchange for truth? Because you and I today, right now, are believing lies. I was vulnerable with some of the ones I believe. I tend to fall under And as the band comes out and we start kind of worship again, just slow down and ask God to reveal to you what those lies are, what that one lie is, and write it on the piece of paper. And then in the moment you come up, whenever you're ready, communion is for those of us who know Christ and we remember his sacrifice and the salvation we find in him. But you're going to come get communion, but you're going to drop what you wrote in that paper in the bucket. In in a way, you're exchanging. You're gonna say, I'm gonna put down the lie and I'm gonna pick up communion with God and the truth I find in the salvation he has given me so that you can know God, know his truth, know his word, and walk in it. Let's pray together. Jesus, life today is not easy. There are things opposing us, opposing you, that will cripple our walk with you, our relationship, our intimacy with you, that just get in our own head and it produces depression and stress and anxiety and and bad relationships and just all these things. And we find that at the root of it it's because we've believed something along the way about us or about you. And we've believed a lie, many lies. And so today, God, I, I pray that as we Have looked at who your adversary is, the accuser, the father of lies, that we would be aware of who he is and what he does and his influence. And we would be able to discern the lies that are offered to us and we can exchange that for your truth. May we we sit in your word and it would pour over our lives. Instead of it being a task, it's where we meet you. We would read your word in a way that that maybe the, the, what we're reading would just read us and would have influence over us because it's your truth. And that you would be present with us. And that through knowing you, through knowing your truth, we would combat lies and our peace would not be stolen because we're in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.